a Keep Productive production. Welcome to the Tools They Use podcast. Interviews with professionals about how they use apps, software, habits, and routines every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tools They Use podcast. It is episode two with Chris Messina. Now, for those who don't know, Chris is a visionary um, of the space. He is the creator of the hashtag. And now you're probably wondering how. Um, So Chris will tell his story um, in the initial parts of it. But Chris actually innovated the first use of the hashtag uh, on Twitter. And that is obviously, as we all know, spiraled out into everything from T-shirts you see around um, town to debates and tons more, which is absolutely amazing. Now, uh, I actually first discovered uh, Chris's work, I think, when I was about uh, 15 or 16. I actually interviewed him for my blog at the time. I was quite young, um, but it was actually a real honor to speak with him because he was he was very progressive in his way that he was doing in terms of processes and even things like that. And what I quite like about Chris is uh, he is an avid product hunter. Now, I'm, I'm like an armchair product hunter. I like sit and view the site. But Chris is the pro in the world at Product product Hunt. Um, if you haven't checked out Product Hunt yet, it's like a discovery site for startups, or all products, I would say, uh, or services. And uh, what people do is they post them up there. Well, Chris has one of the most highest ranked accounts, as well as being an innovator in the space, I would say. So I was really lucky to chat with Chris today. Uh, I think we touch on some really interesting topics. Chris has some awesome applications he is an ex-Googler, he is an ex-Uber employee, so it's amazing to hear his story, but he really focuses a lot on the design area. So without further ado, guys, let's chat with Chris Messina. Uh, <laughs> Chris, you, you're pretty uh, a- active on Product Hunt, right? I mean, prolific, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I think that's um, where I, I might have first uh, got introduced to you, and then I also found out uh, your said history with Twitter. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, um, how did you go about creating the hashtag? Because it's obviously 10 years on, it's, it's quite a big thing. Um, what's the sort of story behind it? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, speaking about tools in a way, you know, this was, um, I mean, in the early days of Twitter, um, you know, it was one of those tools that a lot of us here in the Bay Area were very excited about. And we were looking for a way of making Twitter you know, more useful to us. And um, at the time, you know, you had like one feed or you would actually subscribe to get updates over SMS. And, you know, we wanted a way of filtering out content, say this is the stuff that's interesting to us and this is the stuff that's not. And in traditional web websites, you know, web forums, you'd create a group and then you'd publish to the group. Well, it didn't make sense in a world of SMS and mobile devices. Um, the iPhone had only just come out um, a few months before I wrote up a proposal for essentially labeling your tweets, basically saying, hey guys, like if we just do this slightly different behavior, um, you know, Twitter and all these other third-party apps that we use can do a better job of filtering this stuff for us. And so, um, you know, internet chat already had the concept of channels and, um, you know, it was using the pound symbol. And, uh, you know, it was also a, a, a character that was available on the feature phones uh, on, the, on the keyboards there. You know, you had the asterisks and you had like the pound symbol and then you had all the numbers. Um, and so it just seemed like that might be the simplest way of kind of addressing this problem rather than waiting for Twitter to build something. And so wrote a proposal, tweeted about it, and then, you know, roughly crickets. 
but then I started to just kind of like push people to, to use it, to think about it. Um, and there was uh, a couple of things that happened along the way that helped to, uh, you know, bring it to life. It's fantastic. It's, it's a great little story. Uh, and it must be quite cool being able to say it in like a bar, like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a little strange. A little uh, fun well. fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually the, the best part is like being in a bar and hearing people talk about it or like use hashtags like in conversation and you know having no idea, of course, that like uh, you know the person that had something to do with it is, is there among them. It's pretty incredible, right? Um, mm -hmm. it, it's obviously changed the way that we view stuff. Um, now, Chris, you've worked with uh, some big companies, uh, Uber, Google, um, and a few other startups. Mm -hmm. um, how in those companies, uh, and especially now as well, um, how do you go about managing your most important tasks for the day? You know, um, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, and, and hopefully there's you know some listeners out there that maybe can relate a little bit. Um, I'm not a person who thinks of myself as being incredibly you know focused or disciplined uh, or regimented, and it's you know something like the old you know reluctant about. So. You know, here I am on this podcast about, you know, tools and productivity amongst people who are probably very disciplined, very focused and able to get a lot of the things done, um, you know, in, in lockstep sequential order. Um, but that's that's typically not me, uh, for better or worse. Um, but what I will say is, you know, a lot of what I tend to do, I think the value that I bring to things um, is, is perspective. It's inquisitiveness and curiosity. Um, it's asking a lot of questions, really trying to understand the why of something and understanding, you know, who the audience of something is and, you know, trying to bring some more, I guess, a deeper sense of empathy and the literal sense of, you know, putting yourself in, in the other person's shoes to sort of think about their context and what they're bringing to a question, um, to really evaluate whether the work that you're doing in the first place is the, the right work to do. So, um, I think it's a little bit less for me of just kind of, you know, coming up with like some very structured task list and executing each thing uh, in sequence. And that way I'm not a very type A person. But um, in these companies, I think the most productive um, contributions I've made have been around seeing larger trends that are afoot, um, seeing a lot of different connections between disparate groups and bringing them together. And just to bring an example, um, you know, in, 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 back in uh, 2010 when I was at, at Google, um, I was a developer advocate. And up until that point, all of the Google developer docs um, and API um, documentation as well as source code was hosted on um, a project called uh, Google Code, which was kind of the version of, of GitHub, I guess, that was you know, still a popular at the time. Um, but the problem was that Google's projects were alongside community projects. And so it was very hard to tell you know, what were sort of like the blessed or official projects of, you know, that were maintained and built and owned and operated by Google. And so I set about creating a, a project which became Google Developers, developers at Google.com. Um, and there have been some efforts and some attempts at this kind of idea before, but it was always to retrofit Google Code, to make Google Code have a few more features that would serve developers' needs. And you know, I could took a step back and was like, well, what's the larger problem that we're trying to solve? Um, and what does the audience need in this case? And it seemed like having you know, a, a developer brand specifically for Google developers made sense. So, uh, maybe that gives you a little bit of color to how I, I tend to operate. Yeah, it's like um, sort of productivity through creativeness and, and being that sort of person that thinks outside the box. Um, yeah. You know, like design thinking, right? It's, it's, it's again, it's like, what are the questions that you're asking and what's motivating you and how did you arrive at the step that, you know, you decided to do something um, and is it, is it the right or most strategic thing to do? The, th the thing that I quite like as well is that you, being an avid product user, must have been exposed to a fair amount of apps, right? 
Yes. Uh, and in, in fact, I mean, it's one of the things that I've wanted to write about um, because Product Hunt is such an amazing community. First of all, I think, you know, Ryan and the team has done such a great job of just curating um, a set of people that are really mutually supportive. Um, and, and that takes a lot of work behind the scenes, actually. Um, but I think also, for me, it's a way of kind of surfing the future. It's about seeing a lot of people's ideas or their own problems, um, you know, be solved by people who are deeply familiar with them. And then to encapsulate a solution in a product that requires you to write the marketing copy and to, you know, produce the thing and do some testing and get it out there. And you get a real, you know, zeitgeist or gestalt sense of, you know, where the world's going and what they think are interesting. I mean, a good example of this would be all the crypto apps that have come out like in the last year. Um, you know, you kind of see how the developer ecosystem kind of is moving in certain directions or like the AI tools that are available um, relative to a couple of years ago. And so it gives you a real sense for uh, how at least the community on the internet of builders, you know, is thinking about problems and how they're using new technologies to solve them. Yeah, it must be blowing up big time <laughs> with crypto apps on, on product hunt. Well, I mean, last year it was like bots, so this year is crypto. Yeah. <laughs> Next year, we don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe AR. <laughs> That'll be it. Um, and, and sort of an average work day, um, what does that look like for you at the moment? Yeah, well, you know, like right now I'm sort of, in between, I would say, um, whatever it is that I was doing before and whatever I'm going to do next. Um, so I actually have the luxury of being able to kind of get up, um, you know, when, when the sun, you know, rouses me, uh, which is great. Um, you know, which is usually around eight or so. Um, and it's like, you know, making some coffee, uh, breakfast is very important to me. Um, and then, uh, usually, you know, in terms of, of, a, of a typical, let's say work day or working from home, um, it's diving into uh, day one, uh, which I actually use. I started doing this routine where um, I'll kind of set out my daily goals. So even though I said like, I, you know, I'm not one of these people that does those things, I'm trying to sort of convert myself into someone who does. So I have a, um, I use an app called Paste, which is a clipboard manager. And they have a feature that are like, um, like templates, right? Day one doesn't support templates natively. And so essentially you can kind of paste a template into a new um, journal entry uh, that essentially has a, a set of uh, inputs where you want to like, you know, carve out your day or map out your day. Um, so it's kind of like where I start. And then it's, you know, jumping into, sometimes it's jumping into email. Oftentimes it's jumping into uh, Fantastic Hal um, to sort of get a sense for like what my obligations are for the day and then going from there. Fantastic. And um, so that's day one and Fantastic Hal there. Do you use like a, a, a note taker or anything like that? I do. Um, I primarily use Bear. Um, Bear happens to support hashtags, so I'm happy <laughs> about that. But, um, you know, Bear, Bear is just a, a great tool for, you know, documenting things quickly. It supports Markdown. Um, you know, I've tried a lot of different ones, um, including uh, Notational Velocity or MV Alt. And, you know, I, I think it really depends on your workflow. I think for me, I really like to stay in apps that, you know, feel good, look good, you know, obviously care a lot about the, the front end user experience. And, you know, Bear is just one of the ones that just has so much, uh, I think, polish um, that it's kind of a, a delight to hang out in. Fantastic. Um, and, and in terms of like the, the sort of hardware you use on a daily basis, um, what sort of phone, laptop, PC do you have? Yeah, so I, surprisingly enough, actually, I'm still rocking a, um, an early 2015 MacBook Pro 13-inch. Um, it, it still works. Uh, and it's, it actually works pretty well. Um, I, I do appreciate the, the lightning ports and all the other ports that it has. Um, I have two Apple displays, so I definitely have I think increased my productivity just in terms of screen real estate. 
Um, I still have an iPhone 7 Plus, so I have not, you know, upgraded. Maybe I'll get the, uh, whatever the X2 is when that comes out. Um, and then, you know, I have some Echo devices and uh, Sonos in my room, which I use for music. Um, Fantastic. That sounds like a good setup, um, especially when you're sort of keeping track of everything. Um, and, and the app side of stuff, are there any like uh, standout apps on your home screen that you're like, these are fantastic. Um, I'd like to tell the world about these. <laughs> Maybe the ones right. that help you with the work day. Yeah. I, I mean, I use, I use so many apps. I mean, I guess this is one of the sort of things about being prolific on product time is like you see so many things. Um, and, um, you know, I guess, so, so I'm curious, when you say home screen, you, you literally mean like my phone home screen or you mean my desktop or you mean icons that are in my reality? Let, let's do uh, the phone one because I think that's, okay. uh, yeah, it's handy yeah. portable, isn't it? <laughs> sure, I mean, I guess like um, I primarily track a lot of things with things. Uh, okay. You know, it actually took me a while to sort of get back into things. I've been using Wonderlist for a while, but then Microsoft bought it and um, I'm just like, eh. Um, and they've done a lot of things again, just like Bear, to I think really increase the um, just the quality of the experience. You know, that's great. Um, I I actually spend a lot of time, I would say, in messaging. Um, I talk to a lot of people throughout the day. Um, you know, so whether that's you know, Telegram, iMessage, WhatsApp, um, I kind of use all of them, and that also informs um, I think my perspective on where software and computing is going. Um, you know, Messenger is also obviously in there. Um, I don't use as many bots in those contexts, um, as, as you might think, given how much I've talked about uh, conversational software. But um, I see the future of, of how that's going to play out, um, especially with regards to new users who are coming into computers or mobile devices for the first time. And I see that it's, you know, conversation is where so much richness um, of interaction happens. Um, so anyways, I spend a lot of time actually in those apps too. Fantastic. And um, in, when you sort of work during the day uh, and in the past, you've worked with teams. Um, so like sort of how do you uh, like communicate with them? Is, do you use any certain apps or tools? If that's the yeah, case? I mean, Slack, Slack has been a big one. Um, you know, I haven't used as many integrations um, as, as you might think, given like the robustness of the developer platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but Slack has been great. Um, I actually used Asana um, when I was with Molly. Um, that was actually very useful for you know scheduling um, tasks, um, sharing boards, uh, getting you know stuff out there. GitHub uh, is always um, really great for issue tracking. Obviously, you know sharing source code. Um, you know I do a lot of design work, so I'm spending a lot of time in Sketch. Um, was using Zeppelin for a while. Previously in the past, I've used Envision, um, and I'm very curious to see like where they go with Envision Studio and some of those tools. So that's sort of more on the design side of the house. Um, and then I have a bunch of just kind of, you know, random, I think, you know, apps and stuff, um, you know, that I use to coordinate stuff like that. I've actually, I mean, this is a little less on the coordination side, but I have started using um, Superhuman as my email client. Um, oh, yeah. And I've, it's, uh, I've heard of it. It, it yeah. sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super interesting. Um, you know, I think their, their onboarding uh, process itself is one of the most interesting things that I've ever experienced uh, from a software, um, you know, startup. Ah, that sounds really interesting. And um, it, when it comes to product hunt, is there anything like in the last six months that you've been like, this is the next thing when it comes to sort of productivity? Has there been anything like this blown your mind, I guess? Wow. Um, tough question. <laughs> that is a tough one. You know, you, you know uh, let's see. Uh, a funny, oh, maybe one that I would think about, and this is this is very obscure. Um, but you know, once I tell you this, I think you'll appreciate it. Um, there's this indie developer. His name's uh, Matthew Palmer, 
And um, he has an app called Rocket. And you know, the, the, if you think about productivity, um, I think you have to think about it less from, especially, I mean, if you already have a system that kind of works for you, you know, it's the incremental things, it's the little automation tricks that kind of give you, you know, a one or 2% boost. But, you know, it's just like compound interest, like over time, uh, you know, makes a huge difference. So Rocket is this little app um, that allows you to add autocomplete shortcuts for emoji. And that's basically it. Uh, and what's great about it is that you can set your own shortcuts, you know? So if you, like, for example, there's an emoji that I always use, which is like the squinty eyes. And so you just type a colon and then you start typing, you know, SQ and then it like auto completes for you as like, you know, the emoji. There's lots of ways of doing this, but, um, rocket in particular, I think just, I mean, it's really up my emoji game and uh, it's allowed me to express myself far more efficiently than, uh, than before. So, you know, it's a small one, but I think it's actually a pretty valuable one. Uh, that's really neat. It's like like learning a new language. Well, not really, but you, we know it already, don't we? <laughs> well, it's, more, it's actually more like, you know, being able to communicate with your language, uh, you know, because like, how do I communicate these, these subtleties and these nuances um, in, in the various, you know, places where I'm trying to express myself? And, you know, at some point, I think maybe I thought about emoji as being not very professional, but then I realized, oh, fuck it, like, you know, mm. this is how I want to communicate and there's no other way to express it. And I could like go on and on. I'm loquacious enough as it is. Um, what's a simpler way to express myself? Um, so, so now that I have it, you know, at, at a, at a uh, keyboard's notice, like it's great. That's really neat. It's really neat. Um, I had a burning question for you. Um, in terms of like uh, this future of, I guess, work tools, productivity tools, in that sort of business category, how do you see AI sort of playing a role in that? Yeah, you know, this is obviously a really big question. Um, and it also depends on what you mean by AI. AI means a lot of different things. It's sort of like saying yeah. mobile, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I think a, a way that I might look at it um, is, in a, in a more opti op optimistic sense, is that AI should be augmentative to human capability and potential. And um, you start to see it showing up in, let's say, Gmail or Inbox, where um, the suggested replies um, or quick replies are getting better. Um, and, you know, there was something that was shown at uh, Google I.O. this year where Google is going to start actually composing or suggesting um, emails to basically respond, you know, because, you know, email, frankly, processing it is fairly formulaic. You know, there's a set of questions that someone is sending you um, via a message and there's a set of responses. Some of those are open-ended, but some of them are much, you know, clearer, like, oh, do you want to meet up you know, next Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday? That's the kind of thing where, you know, Gmail can sort of pull out those patterns and, and suggest things to you. Um, another might be, Throughout the Mac, there are uh, data detectors. So when you see an address or you see a date, you can hover over it and it gives you, you know, interactive capabilities. Those are all examples uh, of, of very benign, simple types of um, you know, AI that are, are enhancing our productivity. So I look at it a little bit more like that, where you're going to see smaller um, you know, ways of just doing things more efficiently. Uh, actually, uh, one example of an app that I've started using is called Prismo Go. Um, what it is is essentially it's an OCR camera, um, but you know, just like with Google Translate or um, uh, there's a number of tools that of course will do this for you. The ability to take an image um, of, of text and then you know convert it into the actual text itself. Um, a couple of years ago, that would take you know a long time uh, and it would not be very good. And now it's gotten a lot better. Um, so you know, sometimes I'll see like a you know a document in the mail, strangely enough, um, and I'll need that text for some purpose. And I just use Prismo Go basically as a kind of, you know, copy paste 
um, from the physical world into the digital world. Um, and it just saves so much time. So it's stuff like that. That's really neat. Um, and, and moving away a little bit from the sort of work tool side of stuff, um, how do you sort of get periods of time to relax? Um, do you have m- moments where you get to pause? Mm. Um, you know, I think like I've actually, you know, going back to my, my point about not being a type A person, um, I do, a, I think, a pretty good job of um, either building in breaks to my schedule or my day, you know, making food for myself and cooking is actually like, I think, a really good way of just doing something different, like, you know, with my hands, um, turning my mind off a little bit. I, I constantly listen to podcasts uh, and to the news. Um, there's an app that I use called Autumn, um, A-U-D-M, which uh, provides you with audio versions of long form articles, um, which has been amazing. You know, uh, podcasts are great, but you know, oftentimes there's you know, written content that you'd like to consume um, orally through your ears. Um, and so that's been very useful. I also use um, uh, Headspace from time to time for meditation. I use Paziz uh, to help me sleep. I've got a bunch of different ways of kind of augmenting um, my ability, I guess, to, to sort of uh, take a break. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, really just kind of trying to maintain some mindfulness just about what state you're in, what your emotional state is. And um, I think it's very easy to get sucked into the machine and to become more like the machine and to process things like the machine. And so having that ability to step away and be like, you know, where is my emotional state at? You know, what's my set and setting like? Um, I think can be useful to maintaining productivity throughout the day. I think that's really good advice. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Especially from someone who consumes so much <laughs> in terms of going through product. Hunt. <laughs> it's, it's relentless, you know, and I, I realize like um, one of the things that we're training ourselves with is, you know, kind of like this, constant stream of content and information um, such that when we're in, you know, the quiet of the real world or in the in-between spaces where, you know, boredom used to ensue, um, we actually lose the ability to kind of, I think, uh, integrate some of those thoughts and some of those ideas. So it is really important to, to step away um, and to, you know, use up our senses in, um, in different ways. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Chris, where can everyone find you uh, after this podcast? I mean, the best place, uh, you know, I'm sorry, not sorry, but like, you know, I, I do tweet a lot. Um, I'm at Chris Messina um, on Twitter. And um, I do have a, a website that I know I do a good job of maintaining at uh, chrismessina.me. Fantastic. And also Product Hunt, right? Of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can find me there too. Fantastic. Uh-huh. No, I, I think these are some really awesome insights, Chris. Um, and I think they're going to be very excited for everyone who's listening. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, So for everyone who's listening along, uh, you can download all Chris's apps, uh, which will be available in the description below. Um, And uh, you'll be able to listen to this podcast in series three of Tools I Use. Uh, So thank you very much. Thank you so much to Chris uh, for coming on today. And uh, I look forward to this one going out. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. And I'll see you guys very soon. Cheers.